riding in like General Patton to break up a fucking chicken fight? Yeah. Helmet on. My tank. Let me you just get in my army surplus tank. <laughs> they got the chickens. Knives on them, though. Oh, Careful. Oh, oh yeah, but he's an Aikido master. He should be. A, <laughs> he's he's killing swords. people. He should just like stare at them when they drop dead. Hello and welcome to History's Greatest Idiots, the show in which we take you back on a journey through history and show you the biggest mistakes in human history so that you can learn from them and improve and never make the same mistakes again. But who are we kidding? We humans, we always make mistakes and it's fun sometimes as well. (laughs) Joining me as ever is Derek. Derek, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. Another great week in the books. uh... Yes, yeah, on the surface I, of the sun, apparently, in holy Arizona. Holy crap, has it really picked it up here heat-wise, man. Yeah. I don't even go outside past 10 a.m. anymore. Fair enough. Stay We're having a very just... traditional British summer over here where there's like, it rained for a long time, and then we had a few weeks of no rain, and now it's gone cloudy, and everyone's chilling out again. So, very traditional British summer. That's Inconsistent and wonderful. <laughs> That's the way to be. We're on fire, <laughs> literally and uh, other ways. Figuratively I would as well. like a cloud. Yes. I'd take a cloud. A cloud. Uh, just an afternoon of rain, I think, oh, would do God. Arizona some good. You know? So nice. It poured 10 hmm? miles away from me and knocked all kinds just of trailer out houses down and stuff. But didn't get here. Uh, well, hopefully it's your turn soon they'll they'll seed the clouds or something like that if that's even a thing anymore uh, um so weather so yeah um yeah <laughs> do a little rain dance maybe that'll work uh so you've had an interesting week we've had a good week here next week um which when people see this will probably have been and gone we're going to pick up a puppy and it's oh, all yeah. very exciting that's right that's next week um you guys get names picked I, yet Oh yeah, we do. She has her own Instagram page, so oh I will my. talk to you about that off air. I know. I'll I'll send you a link. Uh, we'll have to talk about it off air because unfortunately, dog nappings are on the rise in this country, especially during lockdown. Yeah. So I'm reluctant to give out too much information. But yes, we are going to have the most adorable little puppy, and she has her own Instagram page. I fully expect you to look at it and make our noises when oh. you see the pictures with your wife. There's That's pictures happening. of me cuddling her when she was a baby, which she oh. still is. So. Look, there, I'm already so, making them, damn it. I know, it's going to break your heart. Anyway, so, getting into the podcast element of this podcast, um, who is your idiot this time around, Derek? Well, the one that I have this episode is a doozy. He's a self-proclaimed president, and then later Ooh. a self-proclaimed emperor. Also what? a uh, convicted mass murderer, tyrant, and Uh-oh. an accused cannibal. Oh, shit. Oh, I think I might know who this is, but please go on. (laughs) All right. So his life began in February of 1921. He was one of 12 Mm -hmm. children fathered by a village chief uh, in an African village that was under French rule, as most of them were at the time. Sure. Things kind of got a little rough for him early on because both his father and his mother died in 1927, making him an orphan before the (sighs) age of seven. That's terrible. It's a lot of sevens. You'd think it'd be luckier. Yeah. But <laughs> the the death of his parents was also super duper shocking because his father mm. was beaten to death in the town square in front of the prefecture office as a show Whoa. of power. <sighs> That'll do you some damage at a young age watching oh, yeah. that. 
Well, oh my and, god! And the French started to not look at him very well because they beat his father to death because of rebellious acts. Because he started freeing some of the prisoners uh, his people were using as forced labor, uh, <sighs> and they they didn't really like that. His wife, the, the my guy's father's wife, the one that was beaten mm. to death, she couldn't take it. She saw the whole thing and committed suicide a week later. Oh so, my god. It's like a Greek tragedy. Right Holy from the shit. get-go. It's Damage Central. <sighs> that is, uh, uh, like, what, six years old? Yep. That's kind of your psyche done at that point, really, isn't it? Jesus. And his extended family decided to get him away from there and send him off to a French-language uh, educator or to get a French-language education at a Christian missionary okay. uh, off somewhere outside of the village, I guess. Thank God um, they got him out of that situation. Well, and he got into some decent training. He fell under uh, a, a priest and started studying to become a priest oh, cool. uh, at that missionary until they decided he didn't have the commitment or piety to do it. So All he right. got into cooking because that awesome. seems like a logical next step. Anyway, yeah. he got his education and graduated in 1939 and okay. went to go do something completely different. He joined the French colonial troops. Okay. Which had some big, long, fancy French name that I'm not even going to try. So um, <laughs> it wasn't the French Foreign Legion; it was something else, even longer than that. It was, yeah, it was Frenchy <laughs> stuff. I don't know, man. It was really, really long. Wait until I have to talk it's about long his awards. And plausible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it kind of started to sound like this dude's life was a bad joke. You know, he's a priest, a mm. cook, and a soldier. They walk into a bar, right? Um, <laughs> by 19... And then eat people. <laughs> oh, shit. That's later. <laughs> by 1941, he rose to the, the rank of Sergeant Major. Um, and in 1944, with World War II in full swing, he participated mm. in the Allied Forces landing in Provence, France, as part wow. of the Operation Dragoon. Amazing. So he was... Wow. Good he's, stuff. Start he wasn't storming that. the beaches at Normandy, but he landed in Provence and... Uh, advanced with the Allies? That's kind of amazing. Exactly. And he's running yeah. around the south of France and parts Being of Germany kicking Nazis' asses. Yeah. It seemed like a good deal. He, uh, he won a pretty neat award. It's mm. the membership to the Légion d'Honorie, or the sure. highest French order of merit for military and civilian. Yeah, and I've then, heard of uh, that. He was decorated with... Uh, God, I hope I get this right. Because it seems like this is what it should be. The coup de gras, the war cross. Yes. Ha Yeah. Well done. That was very good. Uh, I've heard it before, so I... <laughs> yes. I guessed that that's what that actually meant. It's not spelled anything like that, but... Um, <laughs> those gras, awards yeah. would, would go on to help him out a little bit later when he gets into his hairy business. Mm. So, in 1962, he leaves the French army, joins up with the Central African Armed Forces for a new country called Central African Republic, where okay. yeah. his, his cousin uh, is the president. Oh, wow. That's a smart move, you know? Just oh, yeah. Go work for your cousin. Yeah, get near uh, the, center, the center of power. Yes, and at the yeah. direction of his cousin, he was charged with recreating the country's new military system and became the Central African Army's first colonel. Okay, cool. Because nepotism works. Well, yeah. Until it doesn't, but... <laughs> mm. uh, 
a large number of military coups were happening in the 60s in yes. Africa. So he kind of was thinking, hey, I got my cousin in here. He's in charge of the army. I should be relatively safe. Plus, uh, the colonel, and this is a quote, only wants to collect medals and is too stupid to pull off a coup d'etat, which is <laughs> kind of a dick thing to say. Oops. But he, he gets his. In 1965, mm. the Central African Republic sent an envoy of delegates to Paris for Bastille Day celebrations. The president okay. sent his cousin as part of that delegation. Mm. But when uh, our guy tried to come back home, he forbade him from returning, which uh. prompted him to come home anyway and launch a coup. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But you can't. This isn't like, you know someone crossing the Tiber in ancient Rome, they will come back in the country and they will be armed, you know? And and he had backup. He was the head yeah. of the army. What, what were you thinking? Why would you... <laughs> go, with all the coups that are going on literally around you, why would you poke the bear with this one, honestly? And he, he did. He poked him good, and on December 31st, <laughs> New Year's Eve, 1965, mm. he had his cousin, the president, arrested at mm. Camp Daru. And after the arrest, he had him return to the presidential palace where he greeted him with a hug and an oh. I told you so. He, he's literally <laughs> quoted to have said, I tried to warn you, but now yeah. it's too late. Mm. And on New Year's Day 1966, the new president addressed the people via radio at 3 a.m. this morning. Oh, excuse me. This is a quote. <laughs> at oh, 3 a.m. Oh, okay. okay. this morning, your army took control of the government the former government has resigned. The hour of justice is at hand. The bourgeoisie is abolished. A new era Ooh. of equality has begun. Uh, Central Africans, wherever you may be, be assured that the army will defend you and your property. Long live the Central African Republic. There's that phrase, the bourgeoisie. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then right after that address, he started making changes and promises. Okay. Like, long live the Central African Republic. He promised to hold okay. elections, and he lied. He invalidated <laughs> yeah. the Constitution and the National Assembly, okay. created his own form of government called the Revolutionary Council. Okay. Uh, then came some new regulations, like everybody between the ages of 18 and 55 had to prove that they were employed or they would be fined or imprisoned. Not <sighs> really a bad thing, I mean, but... I mean, shouldn't have the government forcing people to do stuff. I mean, he's, yeah, I can like, see he's trying to do good things, maybe. I, like, he's he's trying to do good things like eliminate employment, but the way you go about that isn't sending people to prison if they don't have a job. There yeah. are better ways. You know? Well, yeah, you don't have a job. You owe me money now. Or you <laughs> go to jail. <laughs> so hell. basically, I'm going to jail then? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, as if I had a job. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he outlawed panhandling and created okay. a morality brigade that was formed uh -oh. to monitor bars and dance halls. And most importantly, the big rule, Tom-Tom uh, mm -hmm. playing was only to be allowed during nights and weekends, which What's effectively... Tom-Tom Tom 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 type of drum, right? Yeah, okay. yeah them little tom, the bongo drums, which... Oh, okay, yeah, sure. Totally ruined everybody's hope for uh, not having a job in... Banging on the drum all day. Yeah, I know. Bastards. <laughs> why Why would you... What What part of playing the tom-tom except at specific times was bothering you? I Were think there people he had a problem with his neighbors. 
Sure. His neighbors were just always on the damn drums. Yeah, <laughs> just playing them until three o'clock in the morning, smell of weed coming from the house, you know. He probably <laughs> just like they just alienated him. And as a result, when he became president, he's like, right, fuck you and your drums. Exactly. Like, yeah. But between 1966 and 69, he started to demote, imprison, and outright execute some of his personal and political opponents, as yeah. tyrants tend to do. Yeah, and, he's, t- he's doing a full-on Stalin at this point, isn't he? Bloody hell. Oh, and even worse than, than some of the stuff. I never really heard of Stalin doing this part here, which is uh, believing that one of his guards may have been plotting against him, so he killed his children in front of him. What? Yep. Well, uh, he he. The power went to his head very quickly. Holy then he grabbed, shit! Then he grabbed one of the guards and carved him up with a razor in front of everybody. Then broke his back and had him dragged through the streets before you know he begged for mercy and he shot him. Oh so, my god! Somewhere in all of that madness, he also supposedly started eating the flesh of his enemies. Oh Jesus! Somewhere in there, um, kind. There was another leader that was a cannibal that I believe he was friends with at the same damn time in the same damn area. So I don't know what was going on there in the 60s and 70s in the Central African area, but apparently... Sure as hell wasn't a hippie movement, was it? Jesus. Do you think it was like he went round to this guy's house one night and he was like, this... Oh, I don't know. Is it garlic butter? What have you put on this? Like, no, it's human flesh. I thought it was pork. Isn't that amazing? How do you... Is it seasoning? What do you do? It's like, no, you, you break their back, then you drag them through the street, and then you eat them. It's like, oh, okay, so the dirt really gets in there. Okay, it's great. It doesn't hurt that it's, you know, the flesh of your enemies. It's got to be your enemies, ah. though. You don't want to... Because I think it tastes mm. better that way. Mm. I mean... I would say so. It's more satisfying. And they've got to have known fear before they that's, died. Maybe that's what yeah. it is. It's the it taste makes it of taste fear. better. We're getting into Stephen King it territory with this now. So. <laughs> well, in 1971, he promoted himself to full general, and then in 1972, he said, well, if I can do that, I'm going to be president for life. Well, why not? So, you know, he yeah. obviously thinks that he, as... Uh, an, an advisor and a ruler and stuff has done good good work and he wants to reward his employees him uh, so why not do it I'm all for encouraging the um, kind of the promotion and the burgeoning talent of your employees and when your sole employee is yourself then why not you know exactly no nepotism there if it's yourself for sure and don't have to worry about those pesky elections that he promised no. either <laughs> fuck so, those things I, I didn't know you could just declare yourself president, though. Maybe I'm going to try that. I mean, anyone can do happens. that. You don't have to be a ruler. Like, oh, look at me. Ooh, Spain doesn't exist. There you go. Now <laughs> lo- no longer exists in my world. So, you know. Well, after, after doing all of that, declaring himself president, making a whole new country, between 1974 and 76, there were mm-hmm. some failed coup attempts and an assass- assassination attempt. Yeah. And during that time, he started gaining credibility and bringing some allies to the tables. The French were providing aid to the new president for life, and he became friendly with Muammar Gaddafi. Yeah, I I know exactly who this is now. (laughs) In September of 1976, he decided that the government once again needed to be shaken up, and he created another long, hard-to-pronounce name that (laughs) just became the Central African Revolutionary Council because he just really loves using the same words in different order. 
Uh, he's just recycling his old ideas because he had the yeah. Re- Revolutionary Council and then the several... Yeah. Anyway, in December, <laughs> stuff started to get weird because he just randomly converted to Catholicism and Ooh. instituted another new constitution that transformed the Republic into the Central African Empire, or CAE, which uh, I thought that you needed, like, colonies and lots of land and shit to be much. an empire. But yeah. I think, see, I mean, you could essentially justify it if you were like, well, I've taken over this tribal land, so therefore I've taken over more territory, and even if it happened before. I think the Catholicism thing is literally so that he could proclaim himself emperor. That's the the cynicism in me. Yep. is like he wanted a greater title, and he couldn't quite go with deity, so he'll go with emperor next. You yep. Know? And he was getting the blessing, even though he was never really officially recognized by the world in sure. general. Um, mm. He he wanted to be referred to as his imperial majesty. Oh, and here we go. On December 4th, 1977, he was formally crowned the emperor of the Central African Empire. And his coronation cost somewhere around 20 million U.S. dollars, <laughs> which was... God. It's roughly one-third of the country's entire budget for the year, as well as all of the aid money that France had given them for the year, which... Why did, why were the French bothering at this point? What was ah. he giving them in well, return? he gave them all those years of service during mm. World War II and earned I'm sure his... plenty of other people did, and they weren't getting coronation money. Uh, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, I don't know how many other people fought for him that also just randomly became the emperor either. Yeah, exactly. True. True. <laughs> Probably less than five, I would say. That's a that's a pretty fair guess, I think. <laughs> Just judging by what I was reading has been going on during yeah. that time there. That's a pretty fair guess. There might have been yeah. four or five. Um, <laughs> between April of 1979, um, or between April 17th and 19th of 1979, um, mm. an event took place that would kind of take them take them all down. It's it's over. Okay because of the elementary school kids that were wandering around the country protesting, having to wear and pay for expensive government-required school uniforms, and Mm. the uniforms had to have the emperor's image on them, which is probably why they were so expensive. Probably. Either way, they didn't want to do it. They protested against it, and it was estimated that around 100 children were killed in response. Jesus Christ. It was the death of those children that led the rest of the world to go, okay, fuck this. That's enough. enough. That's enough. Eating uh, French- flesh is one thing, <laughs> but you killed some children. <laughs> French troops uh, began the invasion of Central African Empire in September of 79, following uh, months of trying to back some uh, tribal mm. insurgents. You know the way they do. They wait Proxy for a minute, war. but then, yeah. then they go in there and whoop ass and then go, oh, yeah. We could have done that the whole time. Yeah, why are um, we wasting money? They returned his cousin, the former president, Daco, to power. That wouldn't and have gone well. Remember how I said that he had those military honors and initially the French were backing him? Yeah. Well, when they put his cousin back in power, the, the French decided it would be totally okay to assist him in escaping, even though they overthrew him, and then they granted him asylum. So he got to go kick it in France during his exile. What the hell are they doing? I don't know. I think the guy's charismatic or something, maybe. So he's hanging out in France, and they have a trial in absentia. 
I think I said that right. Yeah, absentia, uh, I think it is. Absentia. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I like that yeah. one better. Yeah. <laughs> Learning new stuff. Uh, he was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death for his crimes during the brutal reign. Yeah. Uh, but he was hanging out in France, and they wouldn't send him home. Yeah, I'm not surprised so at this point. He got to just hang out for five or six years before he tried to return home, and they caught him. Uh, <laughs> so he was arrested and tried again, this time hmm. for treason, murder, and cannibalism. They got to it this time. Yeah, there you go. Really <laughs> the, hit him with the hard shit. The stories of the cruelty were so bad that the government and everybody else pretty much was like, yeah, he ate people. Totally. Yeah, let's try him for it. We've got the evidence. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out, they weren't actually able to get the the, con- the conviction on the cannibalism, but okay. they got but. everything else to stick. Yeah. Everything else. They got- like, yeah. Take, you know, it's like the Al Capone shit. As long as you can get him on something, it doesn't really matter, does it? So, sure, tax evasion, whatever, you know. Well, I, I kind of wish they would have had him on the cannibalism. That would have made it <laughs> I better. I do as well. I know it happened. It had to have. Yeah. How do you get tried if it didn't happen? There's got to be a little truth in bringing yeah, somebody. I guess like it's very difficult. It's, I guess it's difficult to prove. It's like, oh, look, he just vomited up some human flesh. Therefore, he's guilty. It's like, how else do you prove it? A lot of it is like circumstantial. You won't have any footage from that time. No one will have been filming it on their iPhone or anything like that. Right. So <laughs> how do you like the murders you can prove because there'll be dozens of eyewitnesses, but I wouldn't imagine he was throwing soirees where right. there's a, a spit roasted like human just like people ooh, oh. fondue, lovely. You know, I, <laughs> probably just, wasn't a thing. Oh man. I just pictured somebody peeling it off and dipping it in the cheese. Yeah. Ah. Ooh, get the hot bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he got convicted of all the other stuff, murder and sure. treason, and, right. and they sentenced him to death again. Mm. And then they decided that they were going to commute it, and he could spend life in solitary confinement, which is way worse than death, in my opinion. So oh, oh, fuck yes, it is. Good, good on them. But in another wild twist that I don't know the whole story on, in 1993, they let his ass go. Why? I don't know. They just you're free to go. Something happened. I wasn't able to find the story on it, so okay. maybe somebody listening can shoot us more of this story. On I would this love guy to when know what happened there. Tell him who he is here. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how it works. The he stayed in the same country after they let him go too. So after you do all this heinous shit, yeah. and you take over for a little while and kill people, and they just let you go, and then everybody's cool with you just living there in peace until <sighs> I don't he. Th- wasn't anymore. <laughs> yeah. How so, how much longer do you live after that? He died peacefully in 1996 in the Central African Republic because they switched the name back. Okay, so he only lived three years after that, after his release. Still a fair amount of time to live it, in a it, country I mean, that you yeah, took over and For what he did, in. he should not have been released. Absolutely not. But, but that ends yeah. the tale of the self-proclaimed self Entitled Emperor and President for Life, Jean Bedel Botsaka, Botkasa. Yeah, um, Bo- yeah, Jean Bedel Botkasa. Yeah, um, yeah. one of those people because you mentioned um, Muammar Gaddafi earlier. Yes, one of those people around that time and like Idi Amin and people yeah. like that, like the, those kind of at that period in time, like kind of for a thirty or forty year window. A lot of stuff happened in in Africa with some of the rulers, and and 
you know, there are still issues in, in some countries in Africa, but particularly during that period of time after the Second World War and before the, the turn of the 21st century, there was a lot of dark shit happening in that part of the world um, at various stages. I One of one of my very best friends in university, who we don't hear enough of because he's difficult to get a hold of, is a guy called Ignatius. Um, and he was like studying law. Me and my friend met him in university and he was one of the five people who were living on a corridor in the dorms. There was me, there was my friend, there was a guy called John Brown who had spent most of his life in Saudi Arabia. There was a guy called uh, Mo who um, was from Birmingham. And then there was Ignatius, who was another guy. And all he was really happy, he was studying law, wanted to be a human rights lawyer, cooked the most disgusting smelling fish <laughs> soup at various points. And all we knew of him was he was kind of our age and he was from Rwanda. And Ooh. that was all, yeah, that was all we knew. And we were all aware enough to be like, okay, maybe we don't ask any questions. And then one night he opened up to us and it immediately gave me a sense of how incredibly fortunate in life I've been. No matter what I go through, what I've been through, nothing will ever match the experiences that generation went through in Rwanda. And that story continues in various parts of Africa from various periods. It's so tragic and sad and horrible and this guy is one of the perpetrators of it. And as a result of that, the the monstrous acts that this guy has perpetrated on entire generations of people, um, wiping out families and just being a monster, I kind of have to go with, um, I'm going to go 88 on okay. this one. Um, he is... Because we we always talk about the definition of an idiot, and it's it, there are so many different definitions and variations on it. He is pretty much a monster, um, yeah. and had he had a better shot at life, had he been in a more stable environment, had his parents not been murdered in front, of, or, or his dad not been murdered in front of him, and then his mother committing suicide, maybe things would have worked out differently. Who knows? But the thing is, they worked out how they did, and. Yeah he ended up ruining hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of lives as a result. So Right. And I, I think a lot of the lesson to be learned on this one is, yeah, he, he was a monster and not so much of an idiot and whatnot, but mm. the occupation of the French and, and forcing labor yeah. and doing doing the crap that we used to do back in the, oh, yeah. the colony days. The, the colonialism the days. has yeah. left scars across it, the world. It created this situation, I think, yep. and I think a lot of the violence in Rwanda and mm. Mogadishu and like all all over, yeah. we we don't do enough to help them out. But I don't no. know how we even do at this point. We messed it up. I know, We're bad. <laughs> um, and not enough people are discussing colonialism and the, the the kind of the continued scars it has left on this world. I think um, the interesting thing is when we look at um oh sorry when we look at the kind of the the long running running issues there were opportunities for the french government at the time to actually put a stop to this and to intervene and it seems like at every opportunity they had they fucked up and i'm i'm not excusing anything 
that any other Western government has done. For I mean, the British government gave Augusto Pinochet, um, they gave him asylum. And that, there's no way that guy should have had asylum. He carried out atrocities almost to that level um, right. in, in Chile. So I, I feel like if if so many things had gone differently, things would have been different. And it's just such a sad situation. I, I really hope... Um, the Central African Republic. I, I I think it's still called that. I'm not 100 percent sure. I really I'm hope ready. it is recovering, because it's such an amazing part of the world, and you know, so much trouble and sadness for so long. I really hope there is an element of peace and and stability yeah. there now. Um, I feel like it might be the most. Um, it's the word I'm looking for. Uh, exploited continent. Mm. Oh, in without existence. A doubt. Without a doubt, um, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I, it's not funny. I was reading a, a thing the other day about the country of Belgium, and Belgium is the only country in the world, or it may not be anymore, that has a fully lit, illuminated um, road system. So you can't find a road in Belgium that doesn't have really good lights around it, and you can see exactly what you're doing. And then. I was looking into how Belgium became so prosperous and had money to do this. And it's because they essentially demolished the Congo and stole everything they could and murdered millions of people. So, yeah. not great, Belgium. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's no, nobody in the Western world is, is innocent, really, mm. except for maybe a few exemptions. But What's it's Switzerland something... done? I don't think they've done too Swiss, much. Switzerland is just like, you do you, we're staying here. Don't ever come and fuck with us. Um, right. Yeah, we'll take I, your I'm, gold, not, though. I'm not sure Luxembourg <laughs> has got too much to be worried about, but other than that, yeah. nobody's guilt-free in any of these situations, uh, particularly in Europe. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a dark one, a dark idiot in terms of the history involved and the actions and the repercussions. And it's, it's one of those really quite terrible historical domino effects that hopefully we learn from we don't repeat but yeah I, we we can do what we can do now and i mm. think if more of us start trying yeah. to just be better people absolutely maybe it'll translate it'll happen. i actually saw somebody being a better person today on my walk oh yeah um oh yeah what she was doing? walking with a little uh, grab her pickup stick and a bag Good. and she was picking up trash as she was going on her morning walk and now i'm gonna do that good Good for her. If you've got the energy to do that, I absolutely think that's fantastic. Uh, so we're going to move on to my person now. And I was going to say my guy. It is a dude. Both both of these stories dudes. Again, this week, we only had one woman in the entire run. Um, this is a little bit more lighthearted. It's, yes, it's bring, still bring us... just as insane, <laughs> though, in many ways. So let me introduce you. Let me tell you the story of musician, law enforcement officer, and Russian citizen Steven Segal, a man <laughs> who was kicked ass to ever-decreasing returns at the box office across five decades and has had a relationship with the truth that has been more strange than his relationships with women. Oh, oh that this, guy's a weirdo. <laughs> this was a goldmine of insane bullshit, and I loved researching it. Steven 
Frederick Seagal was born in Lansing, Michigan on April 10th, 1952. The son of a medical technician, Patricia, and high school mathematics teacher, Samuel Seagal. His mother was a was of Dutch, English, and German descent. Um, and I think she was Irish or something. So, uh, while his all father the Caucasians. was, yeah, basically everyone in in Western Europe, more or less. While his father was the son of uh, Russian Jews who had relocated to the United States earlier in the century. When he was five years old, he moved with his parents to Fullerton, California. His mother later told People magazine that prior to the move, Stephen Seagal was frail and suffered from asthma. He was a puny kid back then, but he really thrived after the move from Michigan, so they moved to warmer climates, which is something that people did like in the late 19th century. I don't know if it's something that people did in the 50s and 60s so much, but... I w- yeah, I'm not Who aware knows. of it so much as is in the 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 Western days when they'd send all the tuberculosis yeah. out here to exactly get in the yeah dry. like oh it's going to be easier on your lungs sort of thing so they didn't take into consideration all the dirt <laughs> no they didn't and the dust <laughs> and shit yeah. Um, so yeah um, Seagal attended Buena Park High School in Buena Park California and Fullerton College between 1970 and 1971 as a teen he spent much time uh, much time that's I should have altered that sorry it was co- it was copied off a website You're much of his like time me. <laughs> in his garage listening to loud rock music I bet his neighbor neighbors fucking hated this kid um, however <laughs> It was while it working. Wasn't the drums. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> while working with a friendly old Japanese man, as the research calls this person, um, at a dojo in Garden Grove, uh, it was there that he was encouraged to visit Japan. So he okay. attended a dojo, and the guy was like, "You should go and go to Japan if you want to learn more." Um, Seagal moved to Japan at some point between 1971 and 1973. By 74, he'd returned to California, so he wasn't there a huge amount of time, but enough for him to say, I learned stuff in Japan. Right. I didn't know the Karate Kid was based on a true story. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, That year, he met uh, Miyako Fujitani, a second-degree black belt and daughter of an Osako Aikido master who had come to Los Angeles to teach Aikido to people. When Miyako returned to Osaka, Seagal went with her. The following year, they married and had a son called Kentaro and a daughter called Ayako. He taught um, at the school owned by Miyako's family, uh, though he's often stated that he'd be... that he. Um, stated to have been the first non-Asian to open a dojo in Japan. That's not true. He just worked at an existing one. So there's your first lie. Okay. Um, prepare for more. As of 1990, <laughs> Mayako and her brother still taught there and her mother was the chairwoman. Seagal initially returned to um, Ta- Taos, New Mexico. T-A-O-S? Yep. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, okay. Taos, New Mexico. With his student and later film stuntman Craig Dunn uh, when where they opened a dojo although Seagal spent much of his time pursuing other ventures so he was like you you teach that I'm going to go and have I sex like the with voice. these women <laughs> and, you nailed you it bastards think you can come in here in our village <laughs> After another period in Japan, Seagal returned to the US in 1983 with senior student Harua Matsu- Matsuoko. Matsuoka. 
I think. I'm going to try my best with these names. It's, I think I think Japanese names are awesome. I wish my they name are. was as cool as they that. Are. I tried to study, because I, I covered a lot of wrestling, and I tried to study how the Japanese language is structured. There's so many different rules in Japanese language, but one of the main ones is that there is no emphasis placed on a specific part of a word. So, like with a Japanese wrestler, one of my favorites, Kenta Kobashi, it's not Kenta Kobashi, it's like Kenta Kobashi. It's just flat, the way you right. pronounce it. Um, Harua Matsuoka... Uh, They opened an Aikido dojo initially in North Hollywood, California, but later moved it to the city of West Hollywood. Uh, Seagal left Matsuoka in charge of the dojo, which the latter ran until the two parted ways in 1997. Now let's talk about Steven Seagal's movies and the many layers of the complex themes and motifs involved in the cinematic universe, shall we? Do we have to? (laughs) It won't take long. Trust me, it will not take long. Many of Seagal's films share unique elements which have become characteristics of his body of work. His characters often have an elite past affiliation with the CIA, Special Forces, all black ops. For example, Casey Ryback, which is a fucking stupid name, in Under Siege, or a former Navy SEAL, Jack Cole, in The Glimmer Man. So The, yeah. the Glimmer Man, what? What is a? He, I don't does know. he glisten? What What is that? Yeah. What does glimmer mean? He's glitzy. Yeah, glamorous sparkles all over him. What the hell? That's, the glimmer man. Is that a real word? I don't even know if it is. Maybe he made it up. It wouldn't surprise me given this guy's ego. Um, <laughs> an ex CIA police detective, um, Jonathan Cold in The Foreigner, and Black Dawn, and an ex-CIA Black Ops freelancer. All of them, like, ex-CIA, ex-Special Forces. Like, that's... Those are his characters. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) I've had enough. I'm going private. Uh, His characters differ from those of other action movie icons by virtue of their near invulnerability. Um, They almost never face any significant physical threat, easily overpowering any opposition and never facing bodily harm or or even temporary defeat. He clearly doesn't understand the hero's journey, which is like one of the core tenets of like storytelling from like even you go back to the first story, which is uh, what is it? What's the guy's name? Uh, the, the uh, it's a fable. I can't remember the guy's name. Iliad, but it, Odyssey. N- uh, well, it was actually before that. It was um, the Epic of Gilgamesh. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That is the foundation of pretty much every storytelling trope in history. And in the um, the Gilgamesh story, he fights his f- uh, like first enemy to a draw, and they team up. So like the first time, first this near be- invulnerable king. Um, gets in a fight he can't win so he's like we should team up we would be unstoppable together that never happens in a Seagal film he never fights anyone to a draw like he always right. wins like he oh, yeah. I'm not jobbing to anyone ever he, I do not he, stare at the lights for anyone he wanted to be a comic book hero but he didn't want all that silly nerd stuff with yeah. superpowers or any sort of backstory lessons I don't want to advance my character at all. <laughs> Basically, right, his hero's journey, it's already done. What you're seeing afterwards, it's like, I am a god. You cannot stop me. <laughs> That's what he sounded like when he pulled over my friend. <laughs> <laughs> he pulled over your friend? Uh, w- really? Oh, yeah. When he was a lawyer for us? Mar- Maricopa oh, wow. County. 
I can't believe I've picked someone that you've actually tangentially know. Like the bacon numbers match up so perfectly with this. I'm excited Holy about shit. it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so he's basically an unstoppable killing machine and there are no stakes or drama in his films other than those of like the villains. So basically every film's a vanity project, which, you know, every film star's got to have like an occasional vehicle to like, you know, unless they're Tom Cruise in which like the last 15 years have been vehicles for Tom Cruise. But Seagal's the only guy who's only ever done vehicles and unfortunately it means that his value has plummeted as a result over time. Um, Seagal... And he's got such rich plots. (laughs) Such two-dimensional characters. The story. The (laughs) storytelling, Derek. It's just so magical. It just, you know, fuck your godfathers. This is where the real cream is, you know? It's the ex-godfather. (laughs) Right. <laughs> ex Godfather, sorry. Um, no. so, moving on to uh, Seagal's other ish, uh, things. He helped train mixed martial artist uh, Lyoto Machida, who's got quite the pedigree, very famous guy in the history of MMA, um, who credited Seagal with helping him perfect the front kick that he used to knock out Randy Couture at uh, UFC 129 in May 2011. Um, you know that kick that Ralph Macchio used to win the final fight in the first Karate Kid film? Uh-huh, Basic, craned up. Yeah, he's craned up and he just flicks his leg up like that. Yep. That's yep. Well, that's what Machida did, only without this bullshit. And like, ah! He didn't do any of the, <laughs> ah! The pose. He just like right. front kicked him and he's like, oh yeah, uh, Master Seagal um, taught me that. It's like, dude, he just, you could have just torrented the Karate Kid and saved yourself right. tens of thousands of dollars in like training fees. Why don't you just flick your leg up? He won't. His guard won't spot it coming. It's like everyone knows throwing uppercut from time to time because they don't block it. All you're doing is, right. is uppercutting with your leg, basically. Right. Um, right. <laughs> moving on, Segal hosted the April twentieth episode, uh, a nineteen ninety one episode of the late night variety show Saturday Night Live. Um, which aired as the 18th episode of the 16th season. Cast member David Spade regarded Seagal as the show's worst host during Spade's time there. Spade and co-star Tim Meadows cite Seagal's humorlessness, his ill-treatment of the show's cast and writers, and his refusal to do a Hans and Franz sketch because the uh, skit's title characters stated that they could beat up Seagal. He was like... (laughs) I can't have you joking about that. Nobody's allowed to say they can beat me. Nobody. It's not a thing. Stephen, it's a comedy <laughs> angle that nobody thinks that they can beat me. No, not even fake. You can't do that. <laughs> nobody can beat me up. Stephen, it's not real. These aren't real people, but even fake people can beat me up in a fake way. What? The, the layers what? with this guy. <laughs> uh, Meadows commented, he didn't realize that you can't tell somebody they're stupid on Wednesday and expect them to continue writing for you on Saturday, which is a great <laughs> quote. It's like, you're a prick and you'll always be a prick to this person. So, yeah, behave yourself. He was never invited back. Big shocker yeah. there. The cast and crew's difficulties with Seagal were later echoed on air by producer Lorne Michaels during guest host Nicolas Cage's monologue in September the 26th, 1992, season 18 premiere, when Cage worried that he wouldn't he would do so poorly that the audience would regard him as the biggest jerk who's ever been on the show. Michaels replied, on live camera to an audience of millions, no, 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 that would be Steven Seagal. 
awesome. Lorne Michaels doesn't give a shit. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Well, I mean, truth is truth. Yeah, yeah. Tell truth to power or rapidly declining power in this circumstance. <laughs> Moving on to his business ventures. Oh, I, I get the sense we're going to get the preview clip here. In 2005, Seagal Enterprises began to market an energy drink no- oh, no. <laughs> known as Steven Seagal's Lightning Bolt. Oh, oh. Amazing goodness. name. And it's it called. It did in a white can, did it? More or less. Yeah, it's, it's really poor. Oh. It was a white energy drink inside yeah. of like a peachish colored can. That's it. And it came out in light, like electricity. Like you, you didn't even have to shake it up. It just shot out. <laughs> because of his power. And it's <laughs> it's described as a sizzling nutraceutical beverage. What the Dude, fuck does up that words. mean? More words. More, more made up, up words. bullshit words. Fuck you, Steven Seagal. <laughs> There's our intro clip. Uh, <laughs> but it has since been discontinued. Shocker. I know. Uh, Nobody wants to drink Steven Seagal's lightning bolt. Um, <laughs> Seagal also marketed an aftershave. Oh, oh my no. God. Called Scent of Action. <laughs> oh, man. That's so amazing. Like oh, I can't. It's making me cry. It's actually Scent making me cry. Scent of Action. And a range of knives and weapons. Because, no, that seems legit. Yeah, that's like I I understand that. Like that one makes sense. I wouldn't want to smell like Steven Seagal or drink <laughs> no. something that has been produced by him. But sure, no. give me a Steven Seagal knife. I will. Yeah. I'm not allowed to in this country, but I would potentially buy that if I could. You know, marketing wise, that makes sense. So more than yes, <laughs> more than drinks and smelling like a yes. a, a, a weird, arrogant angry little man well little he's, he's quite large um in 2013 Segal joined newly formed russian firearms manufacturer orsis all capitals o-r-s-i-s uh, representing the company in both promotional capacity and as well as lobbying for the easement of u.s import restrictions on russian sporting firearms Fucking hell. Okay. It was He's... also announced he would work with the company to develop a signature long-range rifle, <laughs> provisionally oh, known as Orsis by Steven Seagal. That sounds like an aftershave. <laughs> that does sound like an aftershave. That That's been a your name, name there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so he, did he tell the, the government that he played a, an ex-CIA agent once yeah. or 50 I, times I so st- they should ease the... Restrictions. I worked for the CIA. No, Stephen, that's that's one of the characters in your film. We've all seen them, <laughs> some of them, because they're shit. We know that you aren't a real CIA guy. No, I was. My mind is warped to the point where I think that's reality now. Uh, <laughs> if you want to kill someone while being completely oblivious to how fucking ridiculous you look to the rest of the world, buy that gun, because that yeah. is the key to success right there. Um, it's time to get on to um, his personal life. This is where it gets really fucking weird. The personal life section of his biography, which typically talks about, with most people on um, Wikipedia, it talks about like activism or relationships. On Wikipedia, Steven Seagal's uh, personal life section starts as this direct quote. Steven Seagal has an extensive sword collection and once had a custom gun made for him once a month. <laughs> Why the fuck would we want to know that? 
it's it's the pertinent details. It's that that started out like a QVC ad. I know that's the thing you want to know when you click on the personal section of Steven Seagal's Wikipedia page. The first thing you want to know about is his sword collection. Clearly. Yes. Well, I don't care how many kids he had or any films or anything. No, I don't care how your marriage broke down. Tell me about your swords. Did he have any custom guns ever? Once a month. Now you know. (laughs) (laughs) Having a custom gun made for yourself once a month, it's kind of the dumbest tax write-off in history as well. It's like, no, you don't understand. I need this eagle emblazoned rifle with Japanese writing on it. I need it to hunt killer eagles that are threatening my land. It's like, Stephen, <laughs> stop Whoa. with the bullshit, please. We're the, we're the, the IRS. We know what you're doing. Um, <laughs> it's hard to sum up his history of shattered relationships better than this sentence in his bio. Stephen Seagal has seven children from four relationships. Um, you'll see the possible reasons for his multiple marriages now. Uh, this is a subsection called Allegations and Lawsuits, and I've had to break them down <laughs> into sections by era in which they happened. That's how many it's, there are. So It's never good when you've got subsections titled subsections, Allegations and yeah. Lawsuits and broken down by era. <laughs> Early 90s, in 1991, during the filming of Out for, Out for Justice, Warner Brothers employees <laughs> Raina Malone, Nicole... Selinger and Christine Keeve accused Seagal of sexual harassment. In return for remaining silent, that's a great start to any sentence of a lawsuit, Malone and another woman received around $50,000 each in an out-of-court settlement. Around the same time, at least four actresses claimed that Seagal had had made sexual advances, typically during late-night casting sessions. It's so gross. Oh, God. Greasy and... (laughs) It's horrible. Fat. We spoke about this person before we came on air. In another incident, Jenny McCarthy claimed (laughs) that Seagal asked her to undress during an audition for um, Under Siege 2. Uh, Yeah. Will there be a nude scene? No. No. Just undress. undress. (laughs) You fucking creep, honest to God. 1995 lawsuit. In 1995, (laughs) Seagal was charged with employment discrimination, sexual harassment, again, and breach of contract. Cheryl Schumann, I think it is, uh, or Suman, filed a case against Seagal, accusing him of threatening and uh, threatening and beating her during the filming of Damn. On Deadly Ground in August '95. I, I just want to say now, if Michael Caine had seen that, he'd have beaten the shit out of Seagal. Michael Caine should have. Yeah, Michael Caine was in the army for a while, and he's he was mates with like um, Sean Connery and Roger Moore and people like like all the Bond guys real. in the 60s. They hung yeah. out and stuff. Uh, so another thing... Manly men. Yeah, real manly men. For real, men. though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sean Connery is famous for... He was filming... I think it was Marnie, or, or I think it was called Marnie. It was a, a film directed by... Um, oh, God, what's his name? Hitchcock. It was a Hitchcock okay. film. His co-star was in a relationship with a guy in the mob who had been abusing her for years and he the film was being shot in England this guy came over to England and um he was beating her up in her trailer and Damn. in front of the whole cast and crew Connery heard it ripped the door open dragged the guy outside and uh knocked him into unconsciousness and broke his jaw um Damn. yeah 
and then kicked him off set. And then the next time um, Connery had to wanted to come back for filming in the United States, he had to check with the mob that he wasn't on a hit list. Oh, because the guy was made. Yeah. But they were like, no, we know this guy was a prick and actually he's dead now. So you're fine. Um, (laughs) Thanks, guys. He he was was a prick. Yeah. And apparently so much so they kicked that uh, I mean nothing happened to him. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> but um apparently um like a lot of people have spoken about like the relationships these guys had and like Connery is no saint really like some right. of the shit he said in the past in interviews with Barbara Walters is not good um even yeah. for the 80s really. But like him, Michael Caine, Roger Moore, they kind of didn't take shit. And Michael Caine hasn't been the easiest person, but I guarantee if he'd seen this happen on the set of On Deadly Ground, there'd have been stuff happening as well. Um, So um, in August of 1995, the Los Angeles uh, Superior Court judge Hiroshi Fujisaki dismissed the case, calling the claims repetitive and unintelligible, which kind of sounds like something Roger Ebert would have said about all of Seagal's films. <laughs> That's facts, yes. <laughs> Repetitive and unintelligible. You bastards come onto my land and threaten to beat me up. Now I'm going to have to kill every single one of you. Uh, yeah, every film he's ever <laughs> that, made right there. Uh, That's why he only had to do the tagline once that way. <laughs> exactly, yeah, just change the title, and then you got the same and thing. And then one time he had to say train. <laughs> yeah, and the other one was boat, and then the rest yep. of it, it's like, probably on dry land, so you don't even need to yeah. alter anything. Um, 2010 lawsuits. On April 12th, 2010, 23-year-old Caden Nagoyan, and this one gets dark, filed a lawsuit against a gal in Los Angeles County Superior Court requesting more than $1 million in damage. In her suit, Nagoyan alleged Segal engaged in sexual harassment, the illegal trafficking of females for sex, so Jeffrey Epstein-level stuff's here, and failure wow. to prevent sexual harassment and wrongful termination. Seagal denied the allegations, uh, but his reality TV show, Steven Seagal, Lawman, was suspended yeah. while his attorneys resolved the case. And on July 14th, 2010, three months after Nguyen filed her suit, she, redrew, she re- withdrew her claim without explanation. Draw mm, from that whatever conclusion shady. you want. Shady. That's fuck. super shady. Yeah. Man... How do you end up a lawman? Never mind. I know. Well, I, you, I, you know what's going to happen next. We we know about yeah. the law and people that are involved with it sometimes. Yeah, I, it can get a little... It can get a little shady. Sometimes the people yep. in charge shouldn't be in charge. Um, 2011 lawsuit. On August 30th, 2011, Jesus Sanchez uh, Ivera filed a lawsuit against Seagal over his part in a Maricopa County police raid with heavy weapons, notably including an army surplus tank. Yeah. The fuck? Fucking Sheriff Joe and Steven Seagal teamed up together. It was the, it, oh, my God. It, it could have been a comedy buddy movie if they didn't suck so bad, I know. actually. That would be a gr- Oh, God, Netflix, again. We're reaching out to you. We've come up with this idea. Give us money. Make that film. That would be fucking amazing. Can you imagine like a real-time Sheriff film Joe of this raid? Oh, my God. Of, uh, so they raided wow. this guy's residence for suspicion of cockfighting. Um, was the charge. It's like, you need a tank because you're scared of a cockfighting ring. 
Do you think shows, you know. riding in like General Patton to break up a fucking chicken fight? Yeah. <laughs> what the oh. fuck? Just, a helmet just on. Get my tank. <laughs> Let me you just get, get in my army surplus tank. <laughs> they got the chickens. Knives on them, though. Oh, Careful. Oh, oh yeah, but he's an Aikido master. He should be. A, <laughs> he he's killing swords. people. He should just like stare at them and they drop dead. Uh, Facts. Yeah. The incident <laughs> was taped for Seagal's A&E reality show, Steven Seagal, Lawman. Ayavira was seeking $100,000 uh, for damages caused during the raid and a letter of apology. There's no fucking way he was ever going to get that from Steven Seagal. No, Steven Seagal not. does not apologize, even to himself. He's never wrong. He's never wrong. <laughs> He's always right. From Seagal to Ayavira's children for the death of their family pet. He ran over the pet yeah. with a fucking tank. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my understanding from having been here at the time right, yeah. is th- there was um, a deployment of CS gas that <sighs> caught a candle on fire because it <sighs> turns into like the dog ran out and they. That's they, it. Wasn't uncommon for uh, the Maricopa County sheriffs to do something like that at the time. Jesus, under Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Yeah, <sighs> it's so it's so weird and so excessive. I understand oh, going yeah. in there. Some armed officers, maybe a few shields, maybe, maybe a flash grenade or something like that. A fucking tank. Right. I <sighs> don't understand why they can't just wait until they're leaving for work. Pull I know. And boom. Yeah. Get them or at the supermarket or some shit. You know? Yeah. Get them while they're having their nails done at the salon, whatever. Like These people yes. are not going tooled up when they're going out to buy chicken. Ironic. No. Ayavira um, <laughs> claimed that his 11-month-old puppy, oh, that's depressing, was shot and killed during the raid. Ayavira failed to file court-ordered paperwork after his attorney withdrew from the case and the lawsuit was dismissed in January 2013. So basically, if he'd filed that, we would have had a very interesting story on our hands. Yeah. Two- yeah. Yeah. Moving on. 2017 allegations. It, oh, Okay more darkness here i'm afraid in 2017 actress portia de rossi who is the partner of ellen degeneres in real life okay. she's also in arrested development and she's been in a bunch yeah. of stuff over the years yeah um accused seagal of sexual harassing her during a movie audition de rossi alleged that during an audition in seagal's office here we go again with the fucking casting couch bullshit he told her how important it was to have chemistry off screen uh before yeah. unzipping his pants Jesus. Oh, who's, who, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On, I didn't realize it was that bad until this stuff started coming out. I know. But, I know. On no, how, how does that happen? <laughs> um, because men are idiots and arrogant and like completely um, removed from the reality of any situation they're in because they think they're gods. I guess. Pretty I've much. just never been in a meeting and like, hey, you know what would be cool? I'm going to whip my pecker out. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's <laughs> so weird. Um, October, on October, November the 9th even, 2017, Dutch model Faviola Dadis posted a statement on her Instagram account stating that she had also been sexually assaulted by Steven Seagal years earlier. On a completely unrelated note, Seagal was granted Russian citizenship on November the 3rd, 2016. According to one government spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, he was asking quite insistently and over a lengthy period of time to be granted citizenship to a country uh-huh. that does not extradite people to the United States. Right. 
Yeah. Well, plus he's got a whole new market there where he can claim to be an ex KGB agent. Yeah, exactly. That uh... I was in the KGB <laughs> when I was in the CIA. <laughs> and, oh, it, oh god there's more darkness on 2000 in 2018 allegations and investigation on january the 15th 2018 actress rachel grant publicly accused seagal of sexually sexually assaulting her in 2002 during pre-production of his directive video film out to kill 2003 what a stupid name um yeah. <laughs> where are you going love i'm going out to kill all right just make sure you bring back some onions i don't know <laughs> Stating that she lost her job on the film after the incident. Oh, that's fucking horrible. On February the 18th, the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office acknowledged that it was reviewing a potential sex abuse case involving Seagal. In March 2018, Regina Simmons publicly claimed that in 1993, when she was 18, Seagal raped her her at his home when she arrived for what she thought was a rap party for the movie On Deadly Ground. Good God, man! Yeah, I mean that's horrible. It's. I thought this was going to be lighter. It's. It gets much darker. Um, this. This one is a little lighter. Um, twenty twenty okay. federal securities violation settlement on February the twenty seventh. That's what that says. Twenty twenty, <laughs> the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission announced settled charges against Segal. Um, for failing to disclose payments he received for promoting uh, an investment in an initial coin offering, ICO, conducted by Bitcoin2Gen, B2G. That sounds totally legit. And by the way, coin has two eyes in it, so you know it's on the level. <laughs> Bitcoin. And I've got this settlement also oh never mind Seagal <clears throat> uh, was promised $250,000 in cash and $750,000 worth of B2B, B2G tokens fuck that I'll just take the money thanks um, in exchange <laughs> for his social media promotions and a press release in which he wholeheartedly endorsed the ICO which violated anti-touting provisions um, of federal security laws Without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, Segal agreed to pay $157,000 in disgorgement, representing the actual repayments he received for his promotion, plus prejudgment interest and a $157,000 penalty, so basically doubled. Okay. Segal also agreed not to promote any securities, digital or otherwise, for three years, but he will be selling aftershave. Oh, uh, Yeah. <laughs> Scent of action. Scent of lawsuits. Um, <laughs> now, scent of... Oh, never mind. <laughs> On-set fights. This is going to be my favorite section. Uh, Steve, tell me he gets his ass kicked. <laughs> so badly. It might be the biggest ass-kicking in history. Steven Seagal oh. has been criticized by former stunt performers who have worked with him, including Kane Hoda, Stephen Quadrus and uh, Ju- Judo Jean LaBelle. This, mm, oh. Here we go. Jean LaBelle, <laughs> former Olympian and wrestler Jean LaBelle, um, of intentionally hitting stuntmen during scenes. Additionally, while serving as stunt coordinator for Out of out, oh, for Justice, Jean LaBelle allegedly got into an on-set altercation with Seagal over his mistreatment of some of the film's stunt performers. I wanted to give a little background about Jean LaBelle. First of all, um, he's hard as fucking nails, this guy, Jean LaBelle. Yeah. Uh, he's considered one of like the five toughest professional wrestlers of all time, and that includes people like... Um, 
uh, oh god, Luthez and like Strangler Lewis, who were legitimate shooters. Like these were people back in the day who you had to be a real hard guy in case someone tried it on so that you could break their arm. I, I think we've talked about they're right. called hookers and stuff so that they yep. can put you in a submission hold or make you pass out or break your arm or your ankle or pretty much any part of you is up for grabs with these people and he was considered as right. tough as them even though he came much later um okay so he was a highly skilled boxer amateur wrestler and was one of the first americans to achieve black belt status in judo in japan he was awarded that Aha! so so legit legit actual tough guy um after mm-hmm. the actor claimed that due to his aikido training he was immune to being choked unconscious which why the (laughs) fuck would you ever say that i know you believe your own hype but jesus christ man labelle offered seagal the opportunity to prove it after weeks of probably being pissed off by this guy labelle offered him the opportunity (laughs) yeah labelle is said to have placed his arm around seagal's neck and once seagal said go proceeded to choke him unconscious um labelle said that steven seagal's method for getting out of a chokehold was to punch him repeatedly in the dick as hard as possible oh. and he thought he was tapping out he thought he was, yeah <laughs> tapping out with a closed fist on gene the bell's balls yeah. uh and the bell was like I, I i i've done judo boxing you can punch me in the balls all you want mate you're still going out um he proceeded to choke him unconscious with seagal losing control of his bowels oh no steven That's seagal awesome. passed out hit the floor and shit himself Good job. Way to go, Gene LaBelle. Yeah, Gene LaBelle. Fucking legend forever now. (laughs) LaBelle was requested to confirm the onset uh, incident publicly in an interview with Ariel Hawani in 2012, but he avoided answering the question, albeit implying that it was true. He's he's a bit of a gentleman. A lot of these tough, these actual tough guys, they're actually, they don't need to boast or like show off they're like they're comfortable enough in who they are and what they can do that they're not like i'm a fucking tough guy yes i made steven's girl shit himself he was just like right. stuff happened he passed out it was a thing that happened he was like quite gentlemanly yeah. about it Steven Seagal, on the other hand. Um, so, Anyway, Jean LaBelle was quoted as saying, when we had a little altercation or difference of opinion, there were 30 stuntmen and cameramen that were watching. Sometimes Steven Seagal has a tendency to cheese off the wrong people, and you can get hurt when you do that. So Jean LaBelle's yeah. like, he's talking in like abject phrases and sentences and stuff. On the other hand, Steven Seagal was asked about the incident. He directly denied the allegations, calling Jean LaBelle a sick, pathetic, scumbag liar. So... I kind of yeah, think we know so he what takes happens. the high rows and then there goes the dude throwing mud. Yeah, I, yeah this, throwing shit possibly now, instead of mud. Yeah. That's actually replaced my number one all-time celebrity gets yeah. knocked out for being a dick moment. What was your, what was your previous number one? I have to ask. Uh, when the hardcore punker Danny Northside knocked out Glenn Danzig down in Tucson. Yeah, I, the, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn Danzig that, was... This one's better now. Yeah. The, <laughs> Gene LaBelle choked out Steven Seagal and made him shit himself. Also, it's worth noting, Gene LaBelle is near a foot shorter than Seagal and about 100 pounds lighter, possibly 150 now. But, climbed um, up on him like a spider monkey. Yeah, just him climbed him and choked him <laughs> the fuck out while Seagal's going, why aren't your balls hurting? this worked in aikido aikido's fake Um, uh, so basically um he offered the name of a witness who could prove labelle had fabricated the entire story um 
person didn't exist, apparently. The claim garnered a heated response from the bell trainee, Ronda Rousey, who who assured that Steven Seagal was the one lying and declared, if Steven Seagal says anything bad about Gene to my face, I will make him crap his pants a second time. Ah, that'd be awesome. I fucking love her again. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the pay-per-view fight I want Yeah, that's... Oh, my God. Could you imagine all these fucking YouTube boxing matches? Give me Steven Seagal versus Ronda Rousey and let her... And, like, you only lose by passing out and shit in your pants. Um, Yep. Authentic or not, (laughs) the reports of this incident led LaBelle to be counted in a 1992 was it to be counted in a 1992 as an additional member of robert wall's dirty dozen a group of martial artists willing to answer to a public challenge made by seagal holy shit um wow, there was a whole group of them yeah were they like, were like we we nice. will take up take you up on your challenge sir and he's like oh, i'm over in russia now um LaBelle, <laughs> however, declined to participate, revealing the feud with Seagal was hurting him professionally. He did, however, criticize Seagal for his treatment of stuntmen, rightly so. You treat people like shit on set, right. you should be told that you've been treating people like shit. And left open yes. the possibility of a professional fight if Seagal wanted to do it. He's <laughs> twenty five years older than Seagal and half his size, and he still wants to fight him. Oh Adorable. God. Allegations of mistreatment yeah. towards stuntmen have continued throughout Seagal's later career, with both stuntmen uh, uh, stuntman Peter Harris Kent, Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double, and Mike Leader publicly criticizing his onset antics. So, yeah, he, well, yeah, a reckoning is eventually going to come for this out. guy. Uh, oh, I hope so. Although he's like eighty now, isn't he? Steven Seagal, like he's like three hundred pounds. Yeah, he's he's. I think maybe he's seventy. He. It's hard to know his age because he's doing that just for men shit. And it looks ridiculous. Yeah. I remember when... Well, and he's had his face stretched back so hard I you know. can't even see his face anymore. It's ridiculous. I remember <laughs> when Tom Jones stopped doing the hair dye thing uh, when he was like maybe 71 or something. And immediately everyone was like, you look so much better, dude. Thank you for yeah, letting get it the go. Shoe polish out of your hair. I know. <laughs> Aging is not a disease. Embrace it. Um, so next section. Steven Seagal's relationship with the truth. This is going to be the funnest part. Over the years, Seagal has claimed that he... <clears throat> sorry, there's quite a few of these. Helped train CIA operatives and did special favours for them. Which sounds mm-hmm. kind of sexual, doesn't it? Like, yeah, no, th- a little bit. That doesn't make me think you're going undercover killing people. That makes me think that you're... I, I don't even want to say it. Um, his ex-wife says, not at all. He was never in the CIA. Thank you. Please, yeah. please carry on giving us the dirt. Um, he's claimed that he's of Italian descent. He's not. He's actually half Jewish, half Irish. And uh, uh-huh. fought the Yakuza with the assistance of the American mob. Why? Get the hell out of here. Where, did, um, where would that have happened? Tell, for the three months when he was... Oh, he went over there with some mob the buddies. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I hope the Yakuza heard that. I really fucking hope they heard that and they take a, <laughs> a holiday to Russia at some point in right? the not-too-distant future. It's pretty close. It's a hop, skip, and a jump Yeah, that's over not there. too far. Yeah, he's got a good <laughs> compound. Um, oh, that's my phone. Sorry, I'm just turning that off. Um, he, he also claims he was called to help authenticate antique swords by auction houses as he is one of the world's foremost experts on swords. Um, was a student of the founder of Aikido, Marahei Aishiba, who died in 1968, meaning that Seagal would have been 
a teenager living alone in Japan for that to have happened. I doubt it, to be honest. He maybe learned off a student of the founder. I think that's more plausible, and he's probably just, like, skipped a step in there. Apparently, according to him, he speaks four languages fluently, which is impossible to verify whether he speaks any language other than bullshit to be quite honest. <laughs> and let's end this whole thing with uh, this some classic Seagal quotes. Oh One day, an executive walked into Seagal's trailer and found Hollywood's reigning manly man weeping. Oh, I'm reading this script, Seagal explained, still misty. It's the most incredible script I've ever read. That's fantastic, the executive said. Who wrote it? Seagal didn't miss a beat. I did. He replied, <laughs> you prick. Great. Yeah. And uh, what is it? His next quote. The secret is not to act, but to be a, a prick yeah. in his case. <laughs> uh, be an asshole to the stuntman and every woman around you. Yeah. And just like that's get choked out by an ancient judo guy and shit your pants. Yeah. That's, that's how to be. Uh, this is my favorite quote of any human being ever. I'm hoping that I can be known as a great writer, an actor someday, rather than a sex symbol. When the fuck was he a sex symbol? Never is the answer. <laughs> he was a sex symbol to wow. himself, I think. Oh, also, okay. <laughs> as t- uh, this is amazing. A stylist who fitted in for a tuxedo for the Academy Awards, I don't think he's been to one of those in years, once said, I had to tailor the tux around two giant guns. He said he needed cover in case they rushed the stage on him. Who they were, (laughs) I have no idea. So he's got two fucking semi-automatics under his tux? Why? Dudes. Because of... uh... Uh, the Yakuza. Ronda Rousey. And Ronda Jean Rousey, LaBelle Jean LaBelle, the, the Yakuza, <laughs> his ex-wives, everyone, the stuntmen, everyone else. They! They. Literally everyone else on the planet, apparently. I'm a very funny guy. If, you forg- if, if you'll forgive me for saying so. Never. I'll never forgive you. No. When I did The Hell Glimmer no. Man with Keenan Ivory Wayans, he and I were talking about who was funniest, and I kicked his ass every day with comedy. Good Lord. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, this is—I think this is the last one now. I was born very different, clairvoyant, a healer. Oh my god! And this ends the reign of insanity of Steven Seagal on this podcast, Derek. Good lord, that's a tale for the ages. This man, holy shit! Okay. He's got a subsection for a subsection yep. on lawsuits and allegations. Yep. That's legit. He's full of shit. So full of shit. And, and then uh, sometimes it comes out when he gets choked. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> I gotta go high because yeah. I feel like this guy is an completely idiot. deluded. Like Yeah, you say idiot, I think Steven Seagal now. <laughs> and I'm 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 gonna go uh, a ninety. Yes, Steven Seagal. <laughs> you fucking maniac. I feel like I should go higher, mm. but I wanna save it for like a true god of idiocy. <laughs> Seagal is there. Like he, uh, unlike our previous first entry, he may be close to being a deity, but in this instance, it's of idiocy. Um, I just, I've never known anyone in, in life. And I know actors have sometimes issues with reality and kind of relating to people that aren't in a sphere and bubble that they are. 
And that that right. happens with every walk of life when you are, you know, taken out of connecting with people around you. You sometimes get a little deluded. It happens to the best of us. This guy is possibly the most deluded human being other than maybe Malachi Love Robinson I have ever heard in my life. I yeah. just, I don't yeah. know. How has nobody well, said, Stephen, what is wrong with you? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. I'm perfect. <laughs> Haven't you seen my films? I never get in danger. <laughs> Fucking hell. So, out, out to kill, out for justice, out for a <laughs> burger and a beer. Yeah. I guess out, that's the ones he's doing these Out for these Russian days. citizenship. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's the one coming out in 2022. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, I just, I, I don't know what to make of Steven Seagal. We've gone as far as we possibly can with his life, but I'm sure there is still more stupidity to come. But he's so irrelevant at this point. I don't think we're going to hear much from him until he eventually passes away, which, given how big he's getting, like, he yeah. might be eating his fat ass to death, to be honest, at this point. Like, he was a well, thin see, man at one training. point. <laughs> right, well, but his Aikido training made him invincible to gaining any yeah. weight, so he's not even fat right now. Ask him, he will go know, inside his him. body and kick the shit out of his clogged arteries. <laughs> That's a South Park episode right there. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so we've gone on quite a while with this one, uh, and I'm also aware that the webcam um, has frozen um, on your end. But uh, what do you oh, think? Oh, I still see mine. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it's just frozen on my screen. It's probably nothing. Uh, so what do you make... Of this week's idiots, Derek, I have to ask. Oh, I'm impressed. I, yeah. I was caught off guard when you said action star. I'm like, what kind of idiot? Yeah, you kind of think, like, who who could that be? And then you think Steven Seagal, and you think, oh, yeah, he did action at one point, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah. well, I honestly didn't know he was involved in so much scandal and sexual harassment and stuff. That guy's a jerk ass. I know. It's like I'd heard of the Gene LaBelle story, and, like, a lot of people saying, like, I think there was another story of John Leguizano... Um, he he like Seagal attacked him on set, and Leguizano was like, "I'm five foot seven, dude. I have no fucking training and right? stuff." So like, I'd heard of this stuff, and I was like, "Well, why don't I look into this?" And I knew he had like his relationship with the truth was flimsy at best. So right. I looked into it, and it's like basically a lifetime of just insanity and bullshit and lies and half truths and just awful behavior and. At this point, he is—he is a gimmick. He is—he's someone right. who's become this persona, and it's—it's it's just horrible. So, greasy ponytail. That's all yeah. I just keep thinking. Just that greasy, nasty ponytail. And his hair—it kind of comes to a very fine point these days. Like the kind of the Bella oh, yeah. Lugosi thing going on. It's really yep, weird. He's Dracula. Yeah, Dracula with a ponytail. Fat, fatula. Um, <laughs> fatula. <laughs> he's uh, he's a very weird man and actually he came he did a tour of music this is what another reason i picked him he did a, a tour of music he did a, a tour and one of the venues was in north wales in a part of the country i lived and he was booed off stage yeah. by a thousand people that attended this show um partially because the music was shit but also because he referred to them as inbred hicks so i know Jesus, this guy. I know. The majority of them are tourists from, like, Manchester and, like, other parts of the country. It's like, most of us aren't from here. We came here because you're Steven Seagal. So, yeah, he was probably one sentence away from getting shit thrown at him, to be honest. To be fair, though, if you went to a Steven Seagal concert, are you You not a little... You deserve to not not get much of a show, really, don't you? Yeah, well... 
Reputation alone should have told you that. Anyway, so that was the story of someone who declared himself a majestic emperor and who was possibly a cannibal and a true monster. And Steven Seagal, who has lived a life of just just stupidity and horribleness from beginning to end. Ridiculousness. Um, If you are looking for lessons from these two, obviously if you are ever experiencing trauma in a very at a very early age, please get help. Um, we've learned that probably if you, if this guy, um, the the leader of the Central African Republic, if he'd got help, which you can get in the modern age, I guess, he might have gone down right. a different path. And if you are, if you feel like maybe your ego is getting out of control, don't go around and get in fights with judo black belts who'll make you shit your pants. Mm. Oh, that was a brilliant story. Uh, so um, until next time uh, Derek would you like to say goodbye Uh, goodbye everybody and if you've got any uh, idiots you want me to do hit us up because I need help finding them because well there's so many so many idiots to choose from yes please get in contact with us Um, history's greatest idiots on Instagram and I think it's greatest idiots on Twitter we also have a YouTube page uh, which if you search for history's greatest idiots you'll find all of our videos and all of our podcasts in the back catalogue there but until next time we will see you uh, we'll see you and speak to you soon take care now bye